What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 542 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined as always by my monster in crime, Stephen Kyle Brackey, and making mm, not his FRL debut, but maybe it's it's it, this is the first time he's going to be on the entire show, to my knowledge. Mark Espater. Okay, <laughs> more lies. <laughs> I don't know. What do I know about Get with it, Piles. I've Come only on. done 540 of these things. I'm not going to remember all of them. You should need to remember. He's literally that's hosted them with me before. Okay. Well, I wasn't on those, so maybe that's why I don't remember. <laughs> this guy. And Bracky, and it's not fair because Bader is like me, and we forget stuff all the time. Uh, yes, you do, Bader. Bader will be like, <laughs> um, we'll be like, have these two ever wrestled? I was like, we called that match, Bader. That happens to us all the time. But now I'm, I'm losing yeah, my mind. But Bracky doesn't forget things like... When Bader did the show, but it's fine. Bader's here. I'm excited for that. Before we get to the Grill Bader segment of the show, because I I have because it's interesting because you know everyone kind of knows bits and pieces about Bader, but has anyone ever sat down and Bader, Bracky's probably about to be like, <laughs> yeah, we did that on FRL 332. But to my knowledge, no one's ever sat down with Mark S. Bader and said, hey, what was your background in wrestling? What was early flow like? Da 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 da. You wrestled in Mizzou. Ben Askren. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of questions. A lot of questions I've asked, and I think people will be interested to learn because uh, Bader's been been around a while, so. It's not an old joke. It's just a true, just a true statement. But first, big shout to our guy Ben Askren, going under the knife this morning. Is it? Was it? I know it's today. Do you know? Is it this morning? He was. He was saying last week, like about this time next week, I'm gonna be. So it's in the morning. He called me last night and was like really frightened and upset and scared and that doesn't. I'm sorry, <laughs> crying. I think. <laughs> and I was like, Ben, it's gonna be okay. And he's like, what, what? No, I'm kidding, of course. But yes, today. It's today, so um, I mean, it's. I'm glad he's getting the thing because the, the guy can't hardly wrestle. It just doesn't seem sounds right. Sounds bad. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really bad. Painful. I uh, you you probably didn't didn't listen, but last week I was trying to pour some truth serum down his throat about like because he's saying like he can't wrestle for more than 40 seconds. He's in insane pain, and I'm thinking, well, a year ago you were in an MMA fight against Damian Maya. I was like, how how bad was it then? And he kept being like. So evasive, he wouldn't answer the question. And then finally, like the third time, I was like, "Would you just answer this question?" And he's like, "No, I'm not gonna." Basically, he was like, "No, it was I wasn't in great health, but I'm not gonna make." Yeah, this. that's he the way give, he give me any level of like how hurt he was. I I think it was probably pretty bad, and he just he's not gonna let that be an excuse. And that's that, you know. Yeah, Look, I took the fights. I got knee in the face once. I got I got beat and choked. Whether or not my knee was, or hip yeah. was good or not, it's that, I stepped in there, and that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. No-nonsense kind of guy. No-nonsense. Though he's full though of nonsense. Though he's full of nonsense. <laughs> he's, he's true. All nonsense. No nonsense, yet all nonsense. Um, okay, so a couple news bits, and then we're going to grill freaking Bader. Beat the Streets, September 17th, live on flow. Digging it. Bader is going to get back on the road, maybe, possibly, so. potentially. I'm yeah. not breaking any news here, but... That's uh, not newsworthy. <laughs> it's newsworthy. It's newsworthy. If Bader's on location, it's newsworthy to me. Um, so that could be good. Matchups to be determined, to be announced. I think maybe there are some that are happening. Yanni quote tweeted and said back soon uh, over our tweet of 
the Beat the Streets announcement, that seems to be a pretty good indication that we'll see the Greek Freak back in action. Yeah, Seth, uh, Seth Gross did today, too. So. Oh. I don't know. They're a little too far apart to wrestle each other. I don't right? know. <laughs> Seth looks prosperous. He looks like he That would be – I mean, if they're the same size, that's a fun match. Oh, my god. Both gosh. those styles. The, the scrambles that match would be insane. But um, I – I think Seth's too small. Do you? So, I, well, I mean, certainly he's 57, but he is he is uh he's tall and he could have been easily he's been a 61 kilo guy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he wrestled at 41 as a freshman. People forget he that. Yeah, he did. Uh so I I think uh and I also think like this as far as the style goes, well one, Seth Gross is not one to back down from a challenge. True. We all remember when he bumped up to take on Meredith. Bryce Meredith. That was an awesome freaking match. Uh, also, I feel like his style and Yanni's style, if they're wrestling each other, I have no idea if they are. But if they were, it's like that style would not be like a – like if he wrestled Zayn, I'd be like he's gonna, he would get smoked, right? Because it's like the physicality and the power of Zayn. But it's like this is going to be about scrambles and tactics yeah. and positions more so than like can you squish Seth Gross. Their, their body parts will be flying. They will. <laughs> they will fly. Okay. Um Kyle Brackey got the Jesse Mendez school list. A lot of people have been, been hoping for this one. Do you, ha- you want to um, – Yeah, we can talk about it. Um, let's talk about it. I Number think, three in the class of 2022. Yeah, he's two-time Indiana state champ going into his junior year, and Indiana's one class uh, state, so that's really impressive. He's Cadet World team member, Flow Nationals champ. will be at who's number one for the second year in a row. Um, just uber blue chip recruit. And he, he's got it down to nine right now. Um, Talking to, talking to the family, they're going to take their time with this. I know we're in a dead period right now, so they couldn't even get out to anywhere till the end of September if they wanted to, but they're holding out hope that they'll be able to take all five officials. And Can't take nine. Can't take nine. You cannot officials. take nine. Um, but two of the schools on the list are Indiana and Purdue, which obviously are in his home state, so he can probably get out to those on unofficials and knock those out. Um, but then you look at the re- rest of the list. It's pretty Big Ten heavy with – um, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, and then you throw in Arizona State and Princeton in the mix as well. Man. Um, one thing I found interesting, uh, kind of doing a little research on this, is the top recruit in Indiana over the past five seasons uh, has left the state. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know Purdue's on the upswing, and it seems like Angel has Indiana going in the right way, but this would kind of be like a game-changing recruit to keep the best kid uh in your state, you know, yeah. you look at the guys that have gotten out, Chad Red, Nick Lee, Mason Paris, Cyrus Allred in the class of 2020. It's, and it's even been, going back to um, Hal and yeah. Reese, Reese Humphrey yeah. and Stevon Michich. Mm-hmm. Like Indiana produces some really high-end talent. Yeah, it's usually not. Brayden Lee, more Brayden Lee, yeah, he was in the class of 2018 with Mason Paris. It's usually not, um, like, you look at the big boards, it's not, like, five, six kids in the top 100, like, you know, the Pennsylvania or New Jersey, but they – there's always that one kid, like, in the top 15, 20. Yeah. So, to your point, Indiana appears to be on the upswing with, with Angel there taking the reins. And, of course, we've been talking about the job Coach Ursuline's been doing yeah. for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And this was going to be – 2020 was going to be their moment. Really, really stinks that they kind of were deprived that opportunity among all the other people that were deprived. So, very cool about Mendez. We've narrowed it down from 70-some schools to nine – so I that's decent. I do closer. think. Do you have any any sort of uh, spidey sense? Yeah, I think it's between um, the 
blue blood Big Ten schools, so like the Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, I would say, if if I was guessing today. But um, that could all change once he actually starts taking these official visits, you know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that's our man on the ground. If you hear something <laughs> that sounds like machine gun fire, we are fine. There's construction <laughs> going on about... I would say 38 feet from us on the other side of a wall. And so sometimes it'll sound like, you know, we're doing correspondence from Fallujah. But it's actually fine, and it's just construction. And RIP I, scale factor. And I asked them to stop. And you know what? They may or may not listen. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Who's this guy? We need Melissa. Melissa would go and lay down the law. She's I ain't nobody messing with Melissa. much more intimidating than I. Okay. All right, Bader. Have a seat. Let's get this going. All right. Th thank you. Thanks. All right. Um, Mark Bader, you've been here how long now? Your banner your banner hangs. It does. It was 12 years in July. 12 freaking years. So 2008, you got started. Um, before we get to, like, early flow, when did you kind of first develop your love of the sport of wrestling? Oh, man. Well, I'm one of seven kids. I got a sister. My sister's got six little brothers. So, right, I'm number five out of seven. So there's two below me. My oldest brother, big soccer family. Bader's a big soccer family back in the 80s, or so we thought. Mm -hmm. um, brother goes to high school, makes a freshman team, like second string, gets cut next year. Now what? Coach finds him in the hallway. He's a little guy. He's like me, right? 110 pounds, probably 120 pounds back then. Pulls him in and says, hey, come start wrestling. And, and you know, I, I remember my first match. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome. That and then and then I started as wrestling a, as a, like a middle schooler, high school. Ten years old, I started. I probably he probably wrestled when I was in third grade, and then when I got to fourth grade, I started. We found like a, a little league club. Didn't even know there was such a thing, and like first practice, hooked in, done. Really, oh, immediately, man. immediately. Didn't take. Yeah, maybe even before that. Right, I like. A, I had all those brothers. I got one brother a year older than me. Always. We were roughhousing, got in fights. Uh, I lost a lot of them till my little brother, five years later, showed up. And he got a few years older till I could actually fight him. Because you can't fight babies. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, right away, right away. Um, Dang. I just thought, I, you know, I, I was very physical. We roughhoused at home a lot. This was a way to actually do it for real. Count me in. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes that kind Lost of... my first match 8-2. 8-2? 8-2. That's Caleb actually Cook. not bad. Listen, Little League matches always end in pins, basically. Especially for new wrestlers. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, the one thing I remember about that first match is I got done, and I'd never experienced cotton mouth before. Oh. But, like, my tongue was stuck to the top of my mouth, and I was so thirsty. And my mom had a it was glass Gatorade bottles that undid, like, a Snapple. It's just, oh, like, yeah. one half turn. And I remember just taking that up and being like, Wow, and that's what cutting weight felt like in the future, you know. Yeah, but that was my first taste of it. Oh man, so you so you were hooked at age ten. Oh man, big time. And then, all right, what? Give a little bit of your 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 wrestling background through through high school, and then to the early days at Mizzou, I guess. Um, how did you get good? I think I just I just I won all the novice tournaments my freshman year, right? I just was kind of good because <clears throat> I was physical. I had a brother one year ahead of me, so we wrestled a lot. Um, and <clears throat> machine gun fire. Yeah. Uh, I just, I would think I was, you know, I loved it and I went to practices to have fun and, and learn and get better and, and, um, just was pretty successful. I think, you know, what's funny. My brother Adam's a year older than me. He had a buddy, Duran. 
forget his last name, not Wynn, Duran Green. And Duran was like the best athlete in the sixth grade, right? And then he started wrestling, and I could go with him, right? He's a year ahead of me, but he, he's, and I could go with him. And then me and Adam wrestled in the living room every day one summer. And then that next fall, I kicked the crap out of Duran. Right? And it was like, I didn't know why. Then I'm like, oh, wow. I, was just, I didn't even realize I was practicing. I just thought I was wrestling my brother. And so I was like, I, I guess I would say a lot of it was just wrestling at home with my brother. Uh, you didn't realize you weren't wrestling to get better. We were just wrestling to wrestle. But it turned out it was, I was getting better, too. So a lot of reps in the living room. That makes sense. Um, so what, what were your accolades uh, as uh, in Missouri? Everyone, if you, I don't know if you mentioned you're from St. Louis. St. Louis, Missouri. Shout okay. out to Vianney High School. You've partied with the St. Lunatics. I did. That was supposed to come up later <laughs> in the interview. That was a college thing, yeah. yeah. That, that was supposed to come up later in the interview, but... Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> are we going there? There we, was like... We can skip around, yeah, we you skip know? around. I was probably my fourth year of college or something like that, and uh, it was springtime, and we get done with a, a spring workout, and the Hearn Center, right? It's the arena at Mizzou where we play basketball and everything back when they didn't have concerts. And we, like, leave the side door as we did every day. And there's, like, a line of people stretched around the building. Like, what's going on? Like, oh, it's a concert. Nelly, St. Lunatics. We're like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And we go home. And I think maybe we went out somewhere that, that evening. And we get back to our neighborhood. And there's, like, a limo driving around. And it, like, Stop. stops in this parking lot. Maybe we lived in these duplexes. And we're like, what's going on? We're like, this is crazy. Let's run up there and see what's going on. And, uh. It's like straight out of a video. The guy's like, hey, what's up? Where the party at? And I'm like, <laughs> like almost like, where the party at, Dirty? And I'm like, I don't know, but we live right there and we got a hot tub in the backyard. I don't know. Nobody says we can't go there. Right. Six people come out of that limo. They come inside. Cool. I like run up to my room for a minute. I come back down. I swear, the way I remember, is like 30 people in my house. <laughs> Somebody's in the kitchen cooking up eggs. I'm just like, what you don't the even hell? know. I don't even know. Someone just helped themselves some, to, to your eggs. I don't. Yeah, right. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> some kid I went to high school with, hadn't seen for probably since high school, walks in. He's like, "Hey, Peter, what are you doing here?" I'm like, "I, I live here. What are you doing here?" <laughs> oh, I heard a party, and this was like barely when self. I didn't have a cell phone. Some, you know, maybe right. maybe half the people had cell phones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they there was a party at our house. That's what's up. St. Lunatics. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're a multiple multiple state champ in in, uh, in Missouri. Then you went to Mizzou. Why did you go there? Mostly familiarity, honestly. All my older siblings had gone there. None of them had wrestled except my one brother a year older than me went to Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. He didn't wrestle either. And uh, I had gone to Mizzou camps growing up. Wes Roper was the coach. I knew him. Um and really, I didn't know a lot about the landscape of college wrestling. Today, between us and everything on the internet, you can kind of, you know the scope of things. There it was like, I know Mizzou. I know a lot of the guys on the team. I know the coaches. I know they're not very good. But I, it wasn't even, I, well, I don't know. It was Today, maybe I'd have made a different choice, but things worked out the way they did with, with what happened. But, um, yeah, you know, I went on a recruiting trip. It was a guy that hosted me. I, we wrestled in the same club, you know, Um and it was just like, I didn't even, you know, I got letters from all kinds of schools, from Michigan to Minnesota to Harvard to Stanford to, but I just, I didn't even fill out the questionnaire really. It was just, didn't seem like something I would do, go somewhere where I don't know anybody to go wrestle. And I just, I know the guys here and 
and it wasn't a, an informed thing, right? It was just a comfort thing. And had the same coach been there, I, the program wouldn't have done what it's done. Who knows what what, what happened with me? But um, yeah, it was it was familiarity, you know. Yeah. Mostly, why I went there. At, at what point did did Coach Smith take over? My senior year of high school, I went on spring break, like at uh, my buddy's got a bunch of land. His family had a bunch of land in the Saint middle Lunatics of Missouri. Saint Lunatics were there. Saint Lunatics, um, in the middle of Missouri, and somebody, right? This is 1998. Somebody comes out one day with a newspaper, and like the sports section, somewhere on the back, there's just a little thing, mm-hmm. and it's like Missouri wrestling coach Wes Roper resigns, and I'm like, like, Peter, isn't this you? She's <laughs> like, holy, wrestle for this guy? Yeah, what? He's okay. What does that mean for me? The coach resigned? Thought that guy was going to coach me. Time goes on. They hire Brian Smith. Who the hell is Brian Smith? I never heard of him. Um, and, and, and Missouri wrestling folks were up in arms. They were upset. Oh, really? Who is this guy? Nobody's ever heard of him. Rumors about Terry. You know, I don't know whether or not it's true. Right? There's these rumors that Terry Brands applied. Bruce Burnett applied. Um some other big names, or maybe those were the finalists that I heard, whether or not that was true. And my, I'm like, I thought they said Bruce Baumgartner because I didn't know who Bruce Burnett was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you guys mean Bruce Baum? But I'm like, I knew who Terry Brands was. Yeah. And whether or not he applied, I don't know. But I'm like, Terry Brands could have been my coach, and this guy I never heard of. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Like, and then there was a rumor that's like, all right, look. Honestly, you know, there's these rumors. It's like they hired this guy who's no good. He's never an All-American. Doesn't know, you know, he's not yeah. a good coach. So that he'll fail and they can drop the program. Ooh. Right? And so in my head, I'm like, is that, is that what they're trying? Is that deep, like what they really want to do? Conspiracy. And I, I don't know. You know, my, some of the co- coach, my freestyle coaches I was involved with in Missouri were upset, you know, with that they picked Brian and. He was unproven at the time. Obviously, it was the right. He was the right choice. Right. You know, looking back, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how Brian came along. And then, it's funny. Our first, like, you get on campus and you do some orientation stuff, and then finally you meet as a team. And he was just like, no bullshit. You know. Yeah. We're gonna be good. We're gonna beat the Iowa's. We're gonna beat the Oklahomans. It's gonna take time. We're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. You better damn believe it or get out of here. You know, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, bro, <laughs> like a straight face to poor car. Yeah. I wasn't smirking or mocking him openly, but I'm like, I'll do whatever this guy asks. But that's ludicrous. Like that, that's that's ridiculous. We, this is Mizzou, bro. Like we're the doormat of the Big Twelve. Maybe we can get competitive into the top twenty or something, or or maybe we can get. I just didn't think it was possible. I didn't know how programs were built. Yeah. Or how college wrestling really worked in in that sense. And uh but yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, whatever. Let's 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 do it. And um that first year was crazy because I mean every week it was more guys quitting and more guys quitting and by the end of the year there was like twelve guys on the team. What? Yeah. T- <laughs> you know, we had our ten starters and two we had a, a guy that could wrestle back up at twenty five, thirty three or forty one, I think. Cliff Sutcliffe, shout out. He still sends me Christmas cards. Big shot, Love Cliff, you, Cliff. And then I think David Neff could wrestle like 49, 57, or 65. That's some Buffalo and Gap we, stuff. And we had, some, we had I think, six freshmen in the lineup, um, three or four true freshmen. Yeah, it was insane. Oh, my gosh. And we got beat up a lot. but you know. I guess so. So how much of a, of a shock was it? I mean, the high school to college 
transition is kind of tough for almost all wrestlers. How yeah. much of a the difference was it from the Viani practices to yeah. Brian Smith? Oh, a, a lot. Um, I remember being intimidated, right? I like, I don't know what to think. I don't know how hard these these practices are going to be. So hard. My whole life, all I heard about was how hard college wrestling was, and um, and they were, you know. But I think going through it, like it, the anticipation was worse than the actual whatever transpired, you know, it was always like worried that it was going to be so hard. I wouldn't be able to handle it. And then he got in there and it was hard, but it was just like, just keep pushing and just keep pushing. And, uh, you know, there's that. And it happened to me, right. You go in the room, you don't get a takedown for a month, mm-hmm. you know, against some of the better guys. And maybe I take down some of the freshmen, but there's better guys I couldn't take down. And, but then these guys all just started quitting, <laughs> you know, like these guys, like, and that starter at 133 who I hadn't taken down the entire time quit a week before our first match against Illinois. And I'm the only other 33-pounder in the room. Nice. Coach is like, brought me in his office, kind of gave me this soft blow about like, hey, blah, 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 we're putting you in next week against Illinois, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't know. Like, I guess. There's no, there's not even like, nowadays kids like may speak their mind more about whether they want a red shirt or shouldn't. And again, I... I didn't know what a coach knows best. And he did, right? We uh, can't forfeit the weight all year. Yeah. Start and take your lumps and figure it out. Yeah. Who were who were some of the guys you uh that maybe people would know now that you you wrestled in, in Um Cody Sanderson. Thanks for tech following me, Cody. And the, 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 you're that, unpinnable. I did never get pinned. That's right. I got tech followed <laughs> twice in college, but I never got pinned. I'm declaring you unpinnable, Bader. You didn't get pinned your freshman year. That's pretty impressive. Um, there's a there's. A, I know some really good guys that got pinned, but I also those guys did a lot of awesome things, and they yeah. got caught now and again. But um, it was funny too, because like that was second semester we wrestled Iowa State my freshman year, and like you know you learn how to do the right things and get focused and warm up hard and drill hard before the match and all these things and be ready. And so like we get to Iowa State, we weigh in. And I'm I probably second match, and um, jogging. You know the mats on the floor, Coliseum, and we're running around getting ready and doing our doing our warm ups and everything. And I look over and there's Kale and Cody in the corner, just like sitting back, legs stretched out. And they probably wrestled before weigh ins, like they had a whole yeah. thing right. And I'm sure they had warmed up and done a, whatever. But I don't know that. I'm like, dude, just sitting there in the corner, like. Whatever, no big deal. Doesn't need to warm up. Here I am doing all the warm ups, getting so ready and like waxed. <laughs> you know, just like this guy didn't even warm up and he just kicked my ass. And I knew who Cody was and I, yeah. I knew who Kale was, but um, yeah, gosh, who else did I know? I wrestled that first couple of years. So you were 33, but you were at 25 at some point, right? Yeah, so I went 33 two years. Red shirt in my third year. Mizzou kind of did the whatever where you have a – not what some of these powerhouses do, but you're going to redshirt this year and sacrifice a little bit so you can have yeah. some good teams in the future. And I redshirted that year, and it's funny because I was like, okay, I'm going to redshirt, no pressure, it's easier. And um, you do the weight certification. Mm-hmm. Coach Smith comes back and he's like, hey, you're certified for 124.9. And I'm like, come on, <laughs> 124.9, like – Okay, he's like, 
And I didn't, you know, I, did, I had a losing record that freshman year. And he's like, you know, I, and I was kind of in between, right? And he's like, I think, uh, I think maybe you ought to try 25. And I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> what, like, this was supposed to be the, not the, e- the easier year, right? Yeah. The, like, the year to kind of relax. And now I'm like. Ugh. Cutting weight. The make 25? Fuck. Oh, um, how? Pritz took me to the grocery store and literally filled up my cart and was like, yes. No. Yes. No. I remember he grabbed the box. He goes, you see this? Wheat thins. I'm like, oh, yeah, wheat thins. He goes, not so thin. Shoved them back on the shelf, right? <laughs> and he's like, this is, this is crap. These stuff in the boxes. And I was like, stay on the perimeter. Get your meats. Get your cheese. Not, not even cheese, right? Get your, get produce, your things. Produce. Yeah. From the perimeter of the store. Most of the stuff in the middle is just crap. Yeah, it's true. And so I was like, oh. And he kind of helped me. And I lived with Jeremy Spates, who had, you know, been around a college program at, at Oklahoma, so he kind of had a better idea how to diet, and I just, it sucked, but I just had to kind of shrink myself and figure out how to make 33 and wrestle 30, excuse me, 25. I wrestled 25 the first semester, and then I was like, okay, I did it, I can do it, I'll do it next year. <laughs> can I wrestle 33? The back half, you know, in the next last two or three tournaments, and he let me do that, but I definitely had more success at 25, and I remember one of the first tournaments, it was, the first semester was the Oklahoma Open, and I wrestled Matt Brown from Oklahoma State. And uh, I think he beat me in a close match. But uh, I remember getting on top of him, whoever it was. I put my arm, you know, hand on their elbow, and I put my hand around their waist, and I was like, this feels so tiny. Mm-hmm. Just those seven, eight pounds or whatever it was, was a huge difference on, like, covering and feeling his yeah. waist, his, his whole body. So um, big difference for me and, and what I – Wrestling 33-pounders or 25-pounders was – they just seemed a lot bigger at 33. It's yeah. stronger. Yeah, I would imagine. So you redshirt your kind of junior year, and then you come – and then you have two years of eligibility left. And you yep. do you yep. do both of those at 25? Yeah, yeah, both those at 25. Um, and that's when the team finally started, you know, my third year is when we made – or I guess my fourth year, my third year of competing. That's when we really made a jump – I was in the lineup. Uh, J.P. Reese was a solid 41. Jeremy Spates. Kenny Burleson was an All-American, and he's 57. Woodley was in the lineup. Asker wasn't quite in yet. We had these two Grizzly brothers from Idaho, Ryan, Dante Stone. And, uh, oh, Scott Barker was our heavyweight, eventual national runner-up. Oh, um, he was that. He was sixth at heavyweight, fifth at 97, second at 84. Kind of a kind of a reverse hell big there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So we, you know, we. I think we won. We were undefeated the first half of the year. So we beat. So every year we'd wrestle Illinois in St. Louis, either like on the Illinois side or the Missouri side, but right there on the river, and like you know, yeah. both fans' faces could come, and it was cool. We do it at a high school or something, and we might have cracked the top twenty-five. My junior year of competition. And but we're excited about the team we have. We come and we we take out Illinois. We win some overtime matches. We win all the close matches. Where in the past it was like we'd lose every close match or we'd lose the overtime match, and it was just like we're quite we're not we're there, but we're not right. We get we're competing, which before we wouldn't be able to compete really. We just kind of get blown out. Yeah. Then we're competing but losing, and then it was like that was a breakthrough duel for us. I think Illinois was a top ten team, maybe like ninth or something at the time, and. uh Huge win for us. And I remember drive back to Columbia that night, and uh, the next day we had practice, and everybody's like, 
on a high. Everybody feels great. And uh, eight, nine o'clock practice. And I remember we call kind of like, and Brian Smith's, uh, I, I assume he's pretty similar today, but he was like, to be on time is to be late. Yeah. Like there's no, being late is not acceptable. I remember showing up for a run at like 626 for seven, for 630 run. And he had must have, the whole team was there. He's like, let's get started. And I run and he's like, you're late. I'm like, it's 626. <laughs> What are you t- I didn't say that. I yeah. just put my head down and ran, but I was like, you're crazy. But anyway, so we kind of mosey on up to the wrestling room, and there's some guys kind of lounging in his office, which is connected, and we're all feeling good. Got this big win over Illinois. And he's like, bring it in. Huh. We're like, okay. And it was like, we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to get some praise from last night, and he's going to tell us some good things, you know, about how we beat Illinois. And he's just like, bullshit. Wah, 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 wah. We're like, don't. Take your foot off the gas. You know, that was great, but now you're late and this and that. Uh-uh. That's how we go the wrong way. And we're all like, all right. It's not what I thought I was going to hear. But he was right, right? Like, we get one win and then what? You you're know? Feeling yourself. Let it, let it all go. Like, no, stay disciplined. Stay all the things that got us there. Keep doing them. Yeah. When did you feel the, um, the the program was really turning the corner? Was that like the moment? Was it was it an actual win, or w- was it like something you were seeing in the room? When were you from? Like you you clearly didn't think Brian Smith was probably going to be, uh, you know, a, you know, a it, it was coach. The, kind of the recruiting class. So like, there was twelve guys on the team at the end of my first year. Then we brought in a really big recruiting class, um, Spates and. and Gosh, there was a handful of guys. I don't know if the names would ring bell to most people. I can't even remember remember them all. Oh, who's this little guy from Choctaw? Oh, it's gonna kill me. Tim McGraw. No. Okay. I'm Thanks. It's all in Choctaw. Guys. Oh, he was so good. He he was same class as um, Jason Powell. That's gonna bother me, but he was really good. He ended up leaving. Um, but then that was a great class, and then the one after that was like. Um, Woodley and a bunch of other hammers. So it was like, all right, we got a pretty good recruiting class after me. Then we got a really solid recruiting class after that. And it was like, oh, Justin Spates, who ended up not finishing, but he was amazing. Jeremy's little brother. Do you think he was the number one recruit overall? Um, So it was like we got these good recruiting classes. We sat the one group, and then uh, it it was evident that to us, like we were going to make some noise probably around that would have been the 2000, 2001 era. Nice. Okay. Uh, So – you finish your career. Summarize kind of the the end of your Missouri career, or kind of uh, mediocre. You know, I had good wins here and there, really inconsistent. It's funny, like I, you know, we we look at college wrestling all the time, and I see some of the results of some of these guys, and I'm like, ah, you know, that guy's not very good, very good. But he beat this guy, and he beat that guy, and he beat that. But he lost to this guy, and this guy, and this guy, and that was me, right? I could beat beat a good guy here and there lose the not good guys and when push came to shove you know never made it out of big 12s do you um knowing i mean you you've had the 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 privilege now of being around so many good programs and wrestling minds and it's just i mean everyone's kind of exposed to a different level of wrestling philosophy than most people were back then knowing what you know do you think what what do you think Man, I wish I could have applied this thing I learned. Yeah, now. play wrestling, sparring. I did did like none of it, you know. And it it was all hey, we're gonna go work out. It's controlled drilling, and I do three, you do three. Mm-hmm. I do three, you do three. And it was just like hit the moves go, hit the moves go. So you're like getting 
good at the muscle memory and the exact way to do it, but like, um, there wasn't a lot of improv, right? Like, okay, well, it was like, you shoot a single leg, here's the three ways to finish, right? You can run the corner, you can come out the back door, or you can like hit the Iranian where you slip out the back and yeah. and, and they go over the top of you. Um, right? And it's, and, and then they could, you know, now it's like, okay, well, get in there and play around, figure out what's works and, and tweak it for yourself, you know? And I, I didn't even start doing that a little bit this summer after I uh, graduated. I started working with Mike Ironman. Um, working, I wasn't even working with anything. That was the thing too, right? There was no pressure, so I just go to the wrestling room. We just we just roll roll around and wrestle. We yeah. didn't have, uh, we weren't trying to do anything. It was more just trying to, I guess, have fun with wrestling. And uh, it was so much more free. And I, you hear people say that all the time. The second I finished, I saw it differently. I felt more free. Um, I got way better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, I wish I could have had that mindset. In the past, what was um, what was your overlap with Ben? Ben one year. So one year. Ben, my the end of my junior year, Ben was coming up to Mizzou. Uh, he went on one or two unofficial recruiting trips, and then he came on an official, I think. But he stayed with me, or or maybe stayed. You know, there was a bunch of us that lived close by. <laughs> And I might have told this story. I think I did tell a story before, but he'd come in like the summertime. You know, he's out in Colorado Springs training. And on his way back to Wisconsin, he stopped in Missouri. And, you know, it's summertime. We're in college. A lot of us like to drink beers and whatnot and go out. Wow. And, yeah. But Ben, you guys, you know, he doesn't drink or anything. So it was great. The recruit's going to come drive us around. And, you know, <laughs> you know the, the bouncer would get him into the bar or whatever. And, you know, he just loved to hang around. We're all, we're all being silly. And he had a megaphone. I don't know how he got it or where he got it from. But he had a megaphone. We'd drive around. And somebody yelled at a cop. Oh, no. And they pulled Ben over. And, of course, the guys in the back like, yo, I'll test him. He's been drinking. Go ahead, you know. Just to mess with the cop? Yeah. The cop's like, have you been? No, sir. I haven't. You know, Ben's just goofy as can be anyways. Yeah. I don't remember whether or not they made him do sobriety tests, but they took his megaphone. On the last show, he said, I don't know if you were in this car, but he said that um, that happened. And he, he's he been multiple times pulled over, yeah. suspicion of DUI, had to do field sobriety tests. He's failed field sobriety tests. What? Completely. So he's like, yeah, it's like, he's like, dude, they rig it to uh, so that you fail it, basically. Ben, you got to know how to pass it. And then, and then actually, uh, uh, a lawyer that listens to the show, he's like, yeah, those things are totally rigged for for you to fail them. Really? Cause, yeah, because Ben's never had a sip of alcohol. And he's, anyways, so fun fact, yes, that has happened to him. Yeah, but he got he went to the, the cop station the next day and got his megaphone back. Good. That's like something Ben would do. He's Most like, guys hey. be like, all right, whatever, like, all right, lost it. Yeah. Um, what, uh, when did you think, obviously you knew probably immediately he's a pretty unique guy. When you're like, this dude's going to be super good, or was it like after you were gone? It was a little bit of both, like, I remember we were helping Brian Smith move. Like, you know, his whole family from one house to another, and you got 30 wrestlers, right? They're all going to do yeah. that. And Pritz, Lee Pritz was, was, you know, one of the coaches at Missouri at the time. And I distinctly remember this. He's, like, sitting up against the wall. There's no furniture in the house. He's got his feet, you know, short legs going forward. No offense, mine are probably shorter. Um, <laughs> but he's holding this, I think it was, like, a VHS camera or something at the time, right? And he's watching a tape. And it's Ben. He's like watching this guy. He's like, this guy's so good. Check this out, baby. This guy's amazing. And I sit there and I'm like, I don't know. He's just kicking these guys' ass. Like, what? 
yeah, all good high school wrestlers beat the crap out of other guys. That's just how it is. I didn't see anything special, and he's getting lots of takedowns. And he said that I didn't think much of it. He got on campus, and really, I, we got to know each other through the recruiting. But you meet a lot of kids through recruiting, right? There's nothing. Yeah. We, maybe we formed a little bit of a relationship, but not like we are today or anything. And I remember he picked his hair out a couple times. He'd come to practice with this big thing. That's what I remember. I'm like this goofy white kid with the fro. Okay. I don't get it, but it's cute. And then, like, he beat Robbie Waller from Oklahoma, who ended up being a national champ that year. He beat Robbie at an Open, at the Missouri Open, I think. So that was eye-opening because I knew Robbie pretty well through spates. And um, I still don't know if I – no, I didn't, you know, know how good he quite was going to be. But I remember the, the next year, his first match was against Chris Pendleton. His first varsity match ever was against Chris Pendleton, who's – the number yeah. one ranked wrestler on the number one team. Um, and I remember going into that match, so somewhere before that, going into that match, I'm like, Ben's really good. And I do remember knowing, knowing that Ben was good and was wrestled a little different. I don't think I quite understood his style yet. But I'm like, this is where I'm going to find out where he stands. And Ben goes up 7-2 to or something. He's, he's like falling into all the traps, you know, yeah. in on his leg, bends over the back door, catching ankles, rolling around, coming on top, turning him. <laughs> he gets taken down into a cradle, the tie goes in overtime, loses. But I'm like, oh, boy, he has arrived. Yeah. 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 This is the thing. He's he's good. You know, he he's good enough to win nationals right now. So I think I suspected it leading up to that. But then that match was probably the one where I was like, OK, <clears throat> that was his first match of four years of varsity this is gonna be fun yeah so your your career kind of wraps um it has been described to me like uh you would have been probably in, in the 2020 version of the qualification process you would have been a probably a two-time NCAA qualifier level guy I, mean, I don't want you to undersell your career too much but sure you're probably in that in that vein right I guess let's yeah, put I you mean, in that vein I'm gonna put yeah, you in that it, vein. it was it was yeah sure I appreciate that I I beat guys that qualified. I beat a couple guys maybe that placed. Um, but, yeah, I just couldn't do it at the Big 12s because it was like they're all freaking awesome. Yeah, and what was the qualification process then? It was very different. Top three. It was just straight up. Top three from the Big 12 plus six wild cards, seven, six or seven wild cards. And then the coaches, the five coaches, it was Brian Smith. Bobby. Bobby Douglas. John Smith. Jack Spates and Manning. I believe Newman and Manning okay. uh, I, was overlapped, right? Newman was the coach at Nebraska when I got to college. I believe – I think Mark Manning was the coach when I left, but I'm not mm -hmm. positive. So they take the top three and everybody else, those five coaches sit in a room and swing it out and they make alliances and they, you know, like yeah. it was, I'm sure it was tons of politics and a lot That's of – That's crazy the coaches decided it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Backroom deals and like I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll vote me. for your guy at this weight if you vote for my guy at this weight and like yeah and there were and and like the Big Twelve was freaking nails back then and I'll yeah. go against anybody and say it was bigger than, better than the Big Ten and and oh three and oh I mean it was really Big Twelve was insane from like I that point until I mean I'm trying to think when they when Nebraska was still there it was like. Some of those brackets, it was like a four-man bracket, five-man bracket that had, like, all top eight guys in it sometimes. It was it was because Iowa State, Oklahoma State were insane. Missouri was – Oklahoma was taking second and yeah. third at nationals. Yeah, it was 
There uh, were some wild Big 12 Tyron teams for Woodley sure. qualified and maybe even All-American, and then the next year didn't get the go. Really? Yeah. Wow. I believe. Okay, so... Or did he take fifth and got a wild card? I don't know, but yeah. That's wild. So... You, you're you're done with Missouri. What do you do between graduating Missouri and Flo? What's Mark? Just party. Just party with no. the St. Lunatics? <laughs> yeah. Just on tour? That was, that was it, uh, at, at Mizzou. The no, it wasn't. It was well after. You partied but, with them um, for years. No, you know, it's funny. I, I I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? I Actually, I wanted to stay in Columbia. And, like, I remember going to Pritz. I didn't know how to ask this or if there was even <laughs> a possibility. But I'm like, hey, can I, like – Basically, I, I wanted to be like, can I be a GA? Mm-hmm. Or, or I want to stay here and, like, coach. There's not really a coaching spot. I didn't even know how any of that worked, right? I don't even know if a director of operations was – we definitely didn't have one. I don't even know if it existed. Right. But I was like, yeah, how, how can I – and I was – I stuck around all summer and did camps with them. And and I was like, yeah, I want to stay. And I don't – I'll go to grad school or I don't <laughs> – I didn't want to leave Columbia. All my friends were there. I had a great life. I, I The wrestling um, – and then somewhere in the middle of the summer, I come to find out that my high school coach was leaving. Coach Klepper, God rest his soul, um, was leaving Vianney where my youngest brother was going to be a sophomore. Oh, snap. Right? And, and Vianney, uh, not a whole lot of wrestling tradition. My, me and my one brother are the only other guys to ever even make the finals. Um, you know, not, not a ton of state medalists and everything. So nobody ever went and wrestled college or d1 so it was like seemed like a pretty if i wanted it they'd have me right yeah and so i was like yeah well, shoot my little brother's gonna be a sophomore I'll, yeah i'll go do it so i went and coached at, at viani for five years i taught uh i was a teacher the last two and that was fun man i, I was talking we were talking with a, a coach yesterday on the bader show um about coaching and how much he loves it uh, I was, it was Caleb Cole who wrestled mm-hmm. in Nebraska. He's one of the hometown hero finalists. And he was just talked about how, how much he gets out of it and how much he loves it. And I'm like, man, I miss it. You know, I wouldn't trade this job. Um, but, but that's like if, if this is what I could do, I would, I would want to go back to coaching because seeing the kids, working with them, uh, helping them get better at wrestling, and just like forming these relationships with this 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old boys to becoming young men was awesome and uh getting to know the parents you know i would we 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 were um the program wasn't very good but i kind of tried to do what i'm like okay i saw what brian did in missouri mm-hmm. and it worked so i'm gonna do that here and i might have been a little too extreme but we got from pretty bad to pretty okay you know and we were, would win the conference and and uh it was a really hard decision to when this whole thing came up to do it, yeah. I remember I'd, I'd meet kids from privates, but I never, there was no such thing as private. It was just like a private workout. There's no money exchange. You're my wrestler. Yeah, you can do a one on one. Heck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we get kids, we'd set up, you know, every Sunday over the summer at noon and every, you know, it's just like we had ki- uh, establishing something where before it was like, you know, mid November to February and that's that. So, um, yeah, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Def- definitely. Like the biggest void since coming to here is is not coaching anymore. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, there's there's a it's a it's a scratch you can't itch it at this place, right? You can get some you get really good fulfillment on a lot of things, but like yeah. there's nothing like in investing in a kid and just seeing that them hit their goals. It's just really different, dude. I remember the day I, I you know I I 
I remember, you know, this flow thing came up, and I really went back and forth, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I talked to a few, <clears throat> I talked to another, talked to the head football coach who was a, a good friend, teacher friend of mine, and I talked to a couple other teacher friends of mine. And I didn't know what I, I didn't think I knew what I wanted to do, but I talked yeah. to them. And at the end, they're like, "Sounds like you know what you want to do." And I'm like, "What? Like, <laughs> tell me. I don't, I don't think I know, but apparently, I would probably talk about whatever this flow thing was." Yeah. With a very enthusiastically and they're like yeah it's clearly that's what you, you want to go do. do that yeah you know and I, I the thing was i was like man at first i was like no you know i talked to ben and he hooked me up with martin and he pitched the whole thing and i was like nah i hung up the phone and i was like wish i could do that but i can't like these kids we just yeah we just got this thing moving like it's just finally established and that sucks i'm gonna have to turn that down and like I was driving home, and then the more I drove home, I was like, "Wait, it's either, it's either do this forever, which mm-hmm. is fine, or leave at some point. It's that's it. Either do this forever or leave at some point. And if there's ever a reason to leave, this is this is probably it. I kept being like, I'm so attached to these kids. We have such a good bond and relationship, and we're like tight. And I'm tight with their parents, yeah. and like a lot of trust and, and everything. And then I was like, wait." I'm going to be this close. This is going to happen every year. It's not like a year's ever going to come by. I'm going to be like, ah, well, I don't have a good relationship with these kids. So I'm like, that's when it hit me. I was like, it's always going to be like this. It's always going to be like this. Yes. So. That's so funny. Oh, I got to do this. I need, I owe it to myself to at least take this chance. And if this thing fails, which I I knew it could, there was no guarantee. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it fails, I I can coach. I think I have accolades enough to get a high school coaching job in Missouri. Maybe the same place, if not. Somebody will hire me. Yeah. I had that same – it's so funny. I had the same exact thing. So I coached the first year or two that I worked at Flow. And I was like – I knew I knew it was not a long-term thing, but I was like, all right, I just got – once Zach graduates, it'll be good. And then it's like I just got to see this through, right? And then, okay, now now it's Ian. And then it's Cole. And it's I was like – Oh yeah, I'm just always. There's always gonna be a sophomore that I know is gonna be ready, and he's gonna be able to do it, and he's gonna be able to be a state champion. I just gotta see that through. And I was like, I will just. It'll always be like this. Yeah. So I was like, all right, this is it. I have to, I have to stop because it will never, not feel this way. So, feel it. Make this decision now, and I, it was it was the right decision, even though it it, it stunk, and obviously for you leaving uh, was was the right decision as well. So and they've since cut PE at that school. So and I was a PE teacher. So maybe they try to find a way to keep they me. They cut PE. They got rid of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they if they would have seen my class, that would have been a reason to cuz we played dodgeball 3 out of 4 days, but uh, um, no, yeah, anyways, you know who knows what would have happened. Oh my gosh. They cut PE. Yeah, I know. What the heck? All right. Well, that's that, we'll talk about That's that. a whole other thing. That's, that's a whole other thing. It's yeah. not even legal. How is that even legal? It's a private school, though. Yeah. They do what they want. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. So, early flow, you you end up here. What is that like? Because I, I just, I've been here since 2013, and it is just like, just how much has changed in, yeah, in that Yeah, I mean, time. it was, it was, it didn't feel like a comp, it was like, it felt like this school project or something. It felt like, a, <laughs> like you're just working on this project, right? Yeah. Like, um, it was thrilling it was um there was like i i don't even know how to describe it right there was just it was energy there was like 10 of us 12 you know 
a few sites. Um, no, like looking back, nobody knew what we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Yeah. No, not no clue, but you're just figuring out as you go. And, uh, were you, now were you purified at this yeah, point? Yeah. Yeah. So I came, came so on? I came on the whole reason, uh, Martin reached out was to start a new, you know, I knew about flow wrestling and I don't even know if I knew there was flow tracker. I loosely had heard and thought there was something. But okay, it's it's not just this wrestling thing. There's flow track as well, and there I didn't think I know there was flow swimming. And like a couple weeks before I started, there was flow what turned out to be flow gymnastics. And so he pitches me on on a MMA site, and I'm like, yeah, I'm really into I'm into MMA, and I like it a lot, but not not on the same level. Right. But um, if this is an opportunity to come work for this company, or, or, I don't even know if I considered a company back then. I guess I did, like to to, to work with this group of people yeah yeah let's do it and i knew joe right i wrestled with joe for a year um and he was here and so i called him and he's like yeah do it come on and so i did and it's so funny because i was like so bad with technology right i could enter grades check my email and like 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 surf youtube all right that's like my extent yeah. of what i could do on a computer never open one of those white computers right i'm yeah. back then i was like foreign and I'd never, I didn't know how you get like, I guess I knew how to turn the camera on and press play so you record things, but I didn't know how to plug the cord in and here and the button and you drag stuff over, like knew none of it. So it was learning so much uh, as I went and then like learning how to use the camera. Mm-hmm. Basically it was on your own. And then like learning how to do interviews and like just learning it all on the fly and like, man, that's the best way to learn. It's not like, sit in a classroom and somebody be like, hey, we're going to go out in six months and they need to teach everything so you're prepared. It was mm-hmm. like, that is the classroom. Here you go. Get a ticket, go there, go to these gyms, interview the people. We went on like a one or two road trips. We went from Missouri to Oklahoma, Missouri to Iowa, back down to here. And it's funny. It was with Martin. And we get, we uh, Woodley was my first interview ever, I think. He was training with Matt Hughes over there. So like, tra- I interviewed Tyron Woodley, Matt Hughes, and Robbie Lawler on the first day, <laughs> right? So, and that was like cool, like it, it was set up by Tyron, so it wasn't like this super unfamiliar. And I remember, I, I, I think, I think one or two of those interviews are on Flow Wrestling still. And I remember just like it was so quiet, and I was like, um, "What do you? What percent of the of sport do you think is physical, and what percent do you think is mental?" I was like soft spoken. I yeah. Yeah. But the company itself, I'm just talking in circles at this time. It was, it was wild, man. It, it was like, not even a, uh, uh, not a frat house, but it was like, just, it seemed like a, there was one girl, Ann, who's still here. She works in product development now as a, as a project manager. But, uh, so it was, you know, shirts optional, you know, body odor probably going to happen. You know, it was a house that we worked in, but nobody lived in. And there was just. Nobody had an assigned room. You just show up and sit somewhere and work, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it was, uh, it you know, and it, Facebook was a couple of years new, and you know, we'd heard how Facebook started, so it felt like this new thing that like nobody knows what we're doing right now. Nobody's ever heard of this. We're coming. We're gonna be there, and um, yeah and it was like and it was a house you know i-35 cut straight through the middle of austin and it's changed a lot in the last 10 years Hmm. but 
the east side is the rougher side. It's yeah. much more up and coming now. And the west Big side, shout. where downtown is, and it's nicer. And we had a place in the crappiest part of east east side. And <laughs> you know, uh, neighbors had chickens running around. There was this. There was this guys that lived next door. He's retired. He was like this this Mexican army veteran, and he. They sat back there and drank beers and smoked joints all day long. <laughs> like, that was just what they did. And they, they were really nice. They'd, they'd fry us up. Uh, they'd smoke ribs and bring them over. But it was just like this. We were living in this really bizarre world. It was like uh, a very eclectic side of town. These hippies that built our house lived in the, the garage that they turned into a garage. It was just, <laughs> it, yeah. it, was, it was something else. What were your first, when, when did you switch from Pure Fight to Wrestling? Probably 2010. Okay. So I what, did like 08, 09 on Pure Fight, 09, 10 on Pure Fight, and then somewhere around that it was like, hey, Pure Fight just wasn't working. There was like the model of what Flowcast at the time, you know, Flowcast was covering the sports that get no coverage, mm -hmm. right? Well, that was right at the time MMA was blowing up, you know? So it was like you got a single guy trying to compete with Sure Dog and MMA Weekly and I think MMA Junkie might have been around back then and Eric Horwani was like one called MMA Rated. He bounced around to a bunch of ones. He's obviously taken off and yeah. done great things but there was a, a bunch of MMA websites that, and they've all gone kind of by the wayside since then so it was like this does what if this double down in wrestling here. Yeah. You know and I was like let's do it. So what were your first um wrestling coverages and what were they like well I probably remember. first when I was still doing pure fight I went to the NCAA championships in 09 to help Joe and Martin and probably you know we'd recruit a couple people to help us so that then the first ah uh, the first actual wrestling coverage I don't know or event I just was it that, that first year or that second year we had a live pack. Mm -hmm. It must, might, have been, might have been like the 011 year or 2011. I remember it was this backpack and you like unzip this little cover and there's like a computer screen. And you, there's a bunch of like routers. Or I don't even know, right? There's a bunch yeah. of mechanical stuff on the inside. And you, you just now learned how to cut on a camera. There's yeah, no way you know right? how to do this. So it's funny how much I learned quickly, right? Yeah. To just dive into this world, but um, had a little converter box and all these things to plug in but it was like take this backpack and just every week go out and, and stream something on my own and it was super stressful started up and it didn't work and you're like okay call somebody I'm like hey what do i do he's like um madu right oh yeah madu's still here he's one of the original founders he's like um turn it off and turn it back on i'm like okay and it takes 15 minutes to turn it off and start it and turn it back on and i'm like Wait, and it's like 45 minutes before the duel's supposed to start. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, dang it. It didn't work again. Um, um, oh, okay. Um, try it again. <laughs> and without fail, you know, I'd be like, all right. Well, it's 10 minutes to the duel. So if this doesn't start. Do you know where you are at this point? This is anywhere. This anywhere. happens at a lot of, this has happened. Seriously, it happened many times. It was one, I remember it was the one in Virginia where well, you were actually at that duel. The next day I was at. Literally the next day, I went from Virginia and then did a duel the next day at Stanford, like at noon. So I had to get up the butt crack of dawn and race across the country. But for what it would just, I would always turn on the last time. Yeah. And it always would work right before the thing started. And I'm like, <sighs> sweating. And then I'm like, 
doing the camera. There was a chat on the live stream. I'm trying to kind of look at the chat, make sure nobody's being a jerk. Um, doing commentary. It was just like making sure the feed doesn't crash. You're like doing nine things at once. Now it's like just sit down, put the headset on, and talk. Yeah. I, re I remember that. I was wondering if you were talking about that time it was at Salem. It's Salem Civic Center for a Virginia Tech duel. Yeah. I remember I was like, oh, my gosh, Bader's here. This is so cool. And then I remember the the I knew it was being live streamed. I saw which way the cameras went. I was like – so I texted Katie. I was like, hey, I'm going to go sit on the other side. Get out. Let me know if you can see me during this duel. So I went and moved so that I could be on the camera. Did she see you? Yeah. I mean, there was uh, – you know, no offense, but there weren't a lot of people there. Um, Coach Dresser did, did a good job, but at that point, they hadn't done near what they would. Yeah. But yeah, I remember that. I think it was either – I think it was the – I think it was against Kent State, but I can't remember. There was remember. Kent State, Virginia Tech, and Iowa State. And I think we we streamed two back-to-back. -back. We streamed like Kent State versus Iowa State and then Virginia Tech versus Kent yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. I think it was. I think it might have been one of KJ's first years. It might have been 2011, and the 2010 season might just be a at all a blur. Yeah. Like, I like to try. I could. I would like. What I would do is go back into our website and go to events and scroll all the way down, and then if I look at them, I can be like, Oh yeah, this. Uh -huh. All this. All this. Oh yeah, that that coverage at Nebraska. You know, Jordan Burroughs kicked a 30-yard field goal. Like, I remember that one. You know, then I could start remembering where I was and like, oh, damn, I did this and these videos and then that, that, that's cool. Yeah. So what, um, thinking you, you had a, a solid background in wrestling coming in, how much of an adjustment from, okay, I'm, I'm a wrestler. I do this now. I'm, now I'm on the media side. Was there any like, wow, I'm going to talk to John Smith. I'm going to like, if it, you never had any like, no, cause, cause. When I was in college, we rest. John Smith yeah. was in the room. Right. I do remember when I was in college. My, my freshman year, we wrestled Oklahoma State. My grandma died, so I we wrestled Oklahoma and Oklahoma State away. My grandma passed, so I I missed that trip. We won one match and two duels. I don't think I was going to help very much. Could have got it up to the three. next year. They they come to Missouri, and I do remember this distinctly. Before the duel, I'm in our wrestling room, probably cutting weight or something. And I look over and I see John Smith. Mm -hmm. and, and at that time, I was like, oh, that's John Smith. Mm -hmm. He's right freaking here. <laughs> and this is a room I go to every day. And he's in it. So like awestruck or, or whatever, a little bit then. You went through it then. But uh, I saw him every year at the duels. We were at the, the, the tournaments. I, got, I beat one of his guys. I got competitive with, with all of his guys. So... At that, after that, it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm gonna see John Smith, right? I wrestled like across from Kale Sanderson, right? Yeah. You know, like I remember one time he it was after we had a tournament in Missouri, and he's like, "Hey, uh, do you know?" She asked me something stupid, right? Like, "Where are the showers? Are there showers here or, or something?" But I was like, "He knows who I am, yeah. right?" And he was that was two three years into it, so he was a couple years undefeated. But I was like, "Cool." Yeah. You know. But then I like felt almost like in this club of like, cool. We're just like he's, I'm just another wrestler. Yeah. All right. Cool. So by the time I got here, and I had talked to Matt Hughes and you name it, Chuck Liddell, and yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So A list stars. So then it's like okay, I, yeah, no big deal. I've interviewed all these guys. I'm not. I'm not yeah. starstruck at all. I've 
can hold my own in a conversation with them and that was that was an adjustment for me for sure having yeah. not a background like that i remember um the first the first coverage i think i ever went on we were at the all-star you and me george mason and george mason oh, f- 13 14 year 13 yeah and um you introduced me to ryan morningstar and tony ramos and i was such a i mean i'm a dork anyways but I was such a dork and they're like they like introduced themselves i think i said to either ryan or tony they're like yeah i'm ryan morningstar and i think i said yeah i know and i was like gosh i'm the biggest idiot ever i i was like that is so lame and i was like i i cannot do that um i just have to act like normal around these oh, people oh nice to meet you uh, yeah, yeah nice to meet you it's like don't don't what am i going to do that with everyone that i know them already it's like that's so stupid so yeah. i did, but i i did that the very i think it may have been one of the first people i ever met i was like okay not going to do that again that was the <laughs> stupidest thing ever as soon as i said it, i was like I want to die right now. Um, but anyway, so that was like an adjustment I had as a non-good wrestler or ever being around these people in my life. Um, so that's interesting. What? Um, when were you like, okay, this is different now. We're kind of, we're kind of like, we're going to make it kind of thing. So I, I remember we've talked a lot through the years. You're like, it was kind of like, is this going to happen? Are we going to, is this going to be a thing? I always thought it would work, but I didn't always know it was going to work. Right. Right. Um, and like, you probably didn't know how it was going to work. Right. Like I will figure it out, but I don't know exactly the way. Right. I, yeah. I don't even know if I, you know, I wasn't super business minded. I was just like, this is my task. Go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's easy to point to the funding, right? In 2013 or whenever yeah. we got X million dollars and somebody's like, we believe in you here. Go run. Right. Um, but it might have been, you know, Technique Wave. It started as, as Technique Tuesday and then it turned into Technique Wave behind the paywall. And that turned, you know, it's like, okay, that's wow. That, that kind of works mm-hmm. and then it was like okay let's try to do live events behind the paywall and then that was like okay now this is working and and then i think it was right around that time you know and man was there resistance was there i mean it's funny because there was so much resistance in the wrestling community every step of the way technique wave what you can make us pay for videos and, and it's so funny because before the community got mad me and Joe got mad internally. Mm-hmm. Martin, we're going to put ads on this site. What? No freaking way. Put ads on this site. Well, we are, you know, we're not about that. We're about looking clean and this and that and the other. And we're going to have pre-roll. Pre-rolls? Like, oh, these people are going to hate us. We can't have pre-rolls. We're so cool because, well, you know, we're we're not that, you know? And yeah. it's, that, it's like, oh, but you have, looking back, like, we wouldn't be here. This thing would all be gone. Yeah. You know? Um and then it was like, oh my God, they're putting stuff behind the paywall. You're making us pay for matches. Well, yeah, it costs a lot to fly, fly to places and our time costs money and everything else, you know? And it was like, once we learned how to make a sustainable business, then it was like, okay, all right, this is going to work. And, and there, you know, there was a time or two when it was like, a cu- there was a couple days where like the door was almost closed. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, that was a terrible idea investment whatever we did and we you know might as well just dug a ditch and threw a bunch of money in there because yeah can't believe we didn't go under but 
thank God we're here. Yeah. Thank- I don't know what would happen. Seriously. Um, how did you develop your voice? Um, you're, you are a loud person, but <laughs> you, you mentioned you're a little more timid in, in the early goings. When were you like, because obviously when anyone talks about your commentary, high energy, very excited, when was, when was that? that was, how was that developed? That was pretty early on. Um, maybe the first match I ever did, fight. It was fights back then, right? I was doing fights in the first fight I ever went to in Springfield, Illinois. And Martin wasn't like, again, it wasn't like tell you and teach you. It was just like go Mm -hmm. and then tell you later. And, uh, you know, I'm like, okay. And you're holding the camera and filming through the fence or over the top or however you can. And I remember being like just saying what here he comes and he, he swung with the left and he hit him with the right and he whatever. Martin's like. Take your voice up, and then sometimes take your voice down, and sometimes get a little faster, and sometimes get. So it was just like, it was like one, a few pieces of advice once of like, just that's boring. Yeah, that's boring. Listen to this, and he, we would we would do that with interviews, right? Like, listen to this interview you did, or listen to this, and it's like, ah, oh, I don't want to listen to that. that. Sucks. Well, yeah, listen to it and know why it sucks, so you don't do it again. Do better next time. Mm-hmm. So, um. And then I think it was just reps after that, calling fights and fights. I mean, I remember I'd get overly excited. Like, oh, big right hand, and we knocked him out. You know, and uh, so through the fights and in, into the wrestling, it just kept it going. And I got a lot of energy. And, you know, you guys know, right? Once I get wound up, it's like, okay, the string's out. We just, it's not going to stop until the string goes back in. Yeah. I'd be wound up. And and that was that. And then, and then I got to do it for wrestling, what I liked even more. And I'm like, pfft. Yeah, you crazy? Like, this is so fun and exciting. And I would, you know, I would try sometimes to make it more. I remember being at a duel, doing a live duel, I think it was January 1st, 2011, at Arizona State. And, you know, I'm standing there next to all the equipment. There's, like, the SID next to me and some the scores table over here. And I'm like, he's on top. He's applying a lot of pressure. He's got a spiral. He's running. Like, the dude was just clinging up to the side of the spiral. Yeah. Right, but I'm like trying to describe it as a thing. Make it as excited yeah. as I can, you know. And he does. He's got thigh pressure. He's coming forward with the arm. And he's driving on his toe. He's got his weight on his chest, and he's pushing forward. And the other guy's pushing. And the the dude next to me just looked up. He's like, "You're good." Like, yeah, this is. And I was like, "Oh wow, thanks." Like that's awesome, you know. And then that became a thing. I was like, "Okay, now I'm figuring out how to do this." You know, I'm figuring out how to make it my own. I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I remember that distinctly. He certainly and did. I'm sure there's plenty of times I was way obnoxious, and sometimes I go back and listen to stuff, and I'm like, oh, I was yelling the whole time, but I don't even care, right? That's that's how I felt, you know? I'm like, hey, man, I'm excited about this. I hope the people that are listening are excited too. Yeah. I think it, it, it definitely resonated. Um, so a, a lot of I your- did learn about peaking, though. Oh, right, really? these things peak. Yeah, um, I don't mean peaking like periodization. I mean like mics. <laughs> you can just yell too loud into them, and they sound like crap. They have so limitations. I, I still peak, but I, hopefully I'm better at it. Yeah, they they are. Uh, um, no, when we do sound checks, there's like a there's like a different level. A beta, yeah, yeah. This guy, Mark. <laughs> okay, this now talk. Now talk like something crazy just happened. Yeah, in the back they're adjusting the little knobs. Because it'll happen. Um, okay, so a, a lot of your your contributions for flow have been on the film side 
you've been kind of a big part of that throughout the years. It's kind of one of our big staples from a content perspective. Contrast early flow films to, to now. You know, it's funny. We sat, we're sitting in a room throwing ideas around, you know, just whatever. Throw something stuff at the wall. Maybe something will stick. And it was like, what is, what is the thing? Um, and, and NFL does... Uh, Red Zone. No, it's like they're like documentaries. NFL. NFL films. There was something where they'd follow the teams to preseason or something. Oh, Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks, Hard Knocks yeah. right? So this was around the time Hard Knocks just got going, and we're like, and again, we're just total mom and pop. No funding, just handy cams, you know, plug it in or take a card, and that's it, right? No nice, big, beautiful cameras, but it was like, what if, could we do a Hard Knocks? Like for wrestling? <laughs> right? Right? No freaking way. No, we don't know, you know. Well, maybe, you know, Ray Machuka, who's, who's head of content now, was just like our only video editor at the time, our first video editor, and so he had some some um, had a background in, in reality TV and had experience and, and stuff a little bit more like that. He's like, maybe we can. So you know, we call Iowa. We're like, hey, we want to come do this thing, which turned into the program. And but we didn't like have a plan. We're like, we're just gonna show up and select a couple guys and like I don't know, like do a kind of a feature on him or something. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And I remember being like, what are, we? and I'm not the world's best planner right now. If we do films nowadays, I'm with that. I will plan and get, get things ready. But, but they were like, I'm like, what are we going to do when we get there? They're like, we'll just, and we're all so busy doing what we're doing in day to day. It's hard to stop and plan for something down the road. So like, well, look, we'll sit on the plane on the way there. and We'll talk about it. I'm like, all right, I guess that sounds fine today. It's like, we're planning some films right now, right? And we're doing three pro Skypes, and then I'm going to meet with teams, and we're going to meet several times, and then we'll go fly out there and shoot it. But, uh, you know, we went there and shot it and didn't know what we were doing. Ray kind of did. I'm, like, flying by the seat of my pants. I don't even think I had questions written out. Now I have, like, two, 300 questions for each of these people, and I don't go through all of them, but I make sure each one's checked. Um then we came back and Ray, Ray shot it and edited it and like if you look back on it I've, and that and then a, a couple weeks later a month later they went to Ohio State and you look back on it, it's like so raw and like compared to today's standards terrible right but back then it was like amazing there'd never been anything like this in wrestling it was super high quality and at the time and you know um, they told stories just a little bit differently than we do now and then and then it kind of evolved. And the one that really kind of like we figured out how to do it was Mark Perry, Driven. Yeah. You know, and, and and we sat at this whiteboard and we're like, all right, here's the story. And we kind of went over the story beforehand. Grew up in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, John Smith, recruiting, Johnny Hendricks, Blair, Iowa, all this, you know, beats. And so it was like we had it kind of storyboarded out. And it's like, all right, now – Let's go tell this story. And we went and told the story and came back. It's like, that's what we got to do every time. Now put it all together and go tell it. And, and we do a lot of that now, and, and, it, and it's, it works out. you know. And, and, yeah, we've done, done a lot. And it's, it's constantly evolving, right? We'd go back to what we did that day, that year, and probably make it way better today if we could, if we could do it again, you know? Yeah. But that was kind of one of the ones that 
catapulted it. And then there was Mako and Cola and Terry, and it's like, okay, yeah. Yeah. So thinking about Terry is obviously the most iconic, popular flow film we've done. When did you realize this is going to be like a, a phenomenon? When were you, that that initial shoot? Did y'all even go into it with the plan of we're going to do a Terry Bar- no. Brands film? Uh, we were going to do. It was uh, yeah, we we're going to do like a. T- remember things were a lot of, and I think we're going to start doing that again sometimes. But they were like episodes, right? Episodes one and two, one, two and three, um, and so it was like a two part series at Iowa one was Iowa versus the world which mm-hmm. exists it was there and then the second part was going to be it was going to be a, um, a, a, a story on Terry but I didn't know the magnitude of the story right I didn't I know he I knew the gist of it he lost and kind of went off the grid and, and whatever came back and lost again in the semis and yeah how's he dealing with that <laughs> but you know so we went Went out to Iowa. It was a 4th of July weekend. Went to Tom's farm on the 4th of July. Shot off a bunch of fireworks. Joe, I, Joe Slayton was the, the pyro. You know, he's lighting everything off. It was great. That maps. Yeah, and, and and we shot the black and gold thing. Terry was gone with, I think, Ramos in Canada shooting. Or, I mean, at the Hargo Band or some, some tournament. Comes back, and, and we interviewed Tom and then Royce Alger about Terry. But I hadn't even planned on interviewing Royce until we got there. That night, we're driving back from Tom's place after the 4th of July, and he's like, you know who you should interview about this is, is Royce. Because yeah. then we're just going to interview Tom and Terry, and then that was going to be that. <laughs> right? And so we interview Royce. Um, I remember I showed up at his house and I, 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 several months ago or something. I watched that interview again, and the camera's on before we start. He's like, yeah, so what is this about? This is like about Terry. We're talking about like 2000 or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that whole quad. He's like, usually you're like, hey, can we come – and a month from now, an interview you about whatever. They can kind of get their head around it. This right. I was like, he didn't know what we were going to do until I sat him in the chair. But he did an awesome interview, blood on the walls, everything else. Yeah. Um, interview Tom, which was really good, to, to, the whole fence scene and the whole story. But then we get to Terry, and, and we go to his house, and we shot it. And, uh, you know, it's like one of these things that's kind of surreal. <clears throat> You're like... I'm sitting in Terry's living room with his makeshift studio at his house this far, you know, eight feet away from him and, and asking him about, you know, oh, wow, you lost. You know, get to that point. It's not easy, right, to yeah. get through all the moments. And he's like, you know, and I lost. I'm like, I'm like scared. I'm like, what do you do next? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's he going to say? I'm like, surreal. I'm sitting across from this guy. Who remember I was interviewed to get the job at Missouri back when I or thought he was, and this is Terry freaking Brands, and he's telling me this stuff, and it just goes on and on. He's like, so, and I think at one point he even said like, "Oh, we're going, we're going here, we're going. I guess we're going all the way." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "I guess we are," you know. I, I didn't even know what to say when he said that. All right, I'm like, is he asking me to stop? I think I should keep asking, but. You know, is he gonna get? You know, and he's not. Terry's never been. Maybe he's been mad at me, but never like you never say something. Oh, he's gonna be pissed at me, right? That's yeah. the vibe people get. Maybe we, but we just kept going and kept going. And so to answer your question, when we left, then you, know. I got in the car with Chad, our shooter, and we both looked at each other and we're like, "Holy crap, that was 
awesome. That was really crazy. And then the funny thing is, we, you, we, Terry's got a bunch of windows in his house, you know, like, and so we started it like before sunset, but it was like a three or four hour interview. So like it got to dusk and then it got black outside. And so I'm talking with Martin or somebody. I'm like, hey, like how'd it go? I'm like, man, it was really good. I'm like, the stuff he said, oh my gosh, like, wow, this is, this is great. This is good stuff. I'm like, oh, there was kind of something with the light though. Like, you know, sun got, went down, it got dark out. So what, he thought I meant like, the lights turned off or something. Oh. So he's like, the calls the shit. Like, what the you know, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa everything's fine. Like the, it got, the sun went down, so it does look different in the background. And maybe in a more ideal setting, you can have more consistent sunlight throughout the same thing. But it kind of worked out because as Terry, the film goes on, the tone of it becomes a little darker yeah. as it becomes dark outside. And that's just coincidence. But That's how you um, planned it. And then our editor, we got the footage to our editor, Jeremy, and he's actually the one who was like, he's the guy who's like, this is the one. He, he reviewed all the footage and he's like, this is the one. We need to do more. We should go interview Gable. Yeah. We need to go talk to Dan Gable about this. He was there. Terry was on the fence. He was there through all of it. He was there the whole quad. We should get his opinion. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, yeah, why didn't we think of that? We, oh, that, yeah. let's, like, you know what? Let's just make the, the one video and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll get Gable and then, then we'll finish this piece. And then so we get Gable and we, they make a 60 minutes string out, which was awesome. Yeah. You know, I remember watching it and being like, this is so good. And then uh, I can't remember who the very next person was. You know, we're like. Darrell. Darrell was a little later, I think. Uh, it it might have been like Tom, I think Tom, Tom Ryan, Ryan was later. Maybe it was Darrell. We went on and interviewed Darrow, and then, and then um, I know it was, and then it was just like, who next? Tom Ryan, and uh, Andy, and, and yeah, you know, Andy Hamilton, right? And and have him kind of fill in some gaps. Mm-hmm. Andy might have been the next one after. It was Andy and Gable on the same trip. That was it because we went to Iowa, and then it was just one after the other. And then we're like, okay, I think we got it. And then it was like, I can't believe. I feel so stupid now looking back that we didn't think Kendall, right? We were like going to just finish it. We're like, what if, I mean, would it be weird to get Kendall involved in this? Right. We never, we never told the story like that, right? It was always like this guy's point of view and this team or this one side. And then it was like, I don't know. Let's, let's see what Kendall has to say. (laughs) Holy smokes. (laughs) Change the game. Then we're like, "Ah, pause the film. Again, pause construction, dissect it, and throw this interview in. And I remember the same thing. It was the same shooter, Chad, when we finished the interview with um, Kendall, who was in Dallas at the time. So we just drove up. We're we're driving back here to Austin three hours, and we're like, holy cow, so good. And and Kendall, as much as he plays a a role in the story, he's like a great storyteller. Yeah. Right? And he's like, he's got this slow, cool voice, and he like – stops and thinks and he's like and he's like getting you right in he's like right i i tried to get inside his head and figure out what he was thinking and like you're like oh my god has has kendall been sitting on this for like 20 years however long it's been just waiting for somebody to ask him or did it just come out like that but i'm like after the first match he was like 
didn't want to be there. He, I remember he told the story. I don't know if it made it in the film or not, but he's like, I'm up in my hotel room after the first match, and I look out the window and way, way up high, and I see these kids playing on a playground. I'm like, I just wish I was playing on that playground. I don't want to go back and wrestle this guy. I just wish, you know, putting you in these shoes and just like, wow. And then uh, maybe we picked up one or two after that, but that was like, okay, that was the big, big last piece that we didn't even know we needed. But did and then I don't know how many people know this or not, but we're like it's coming out December thirtieth or thirty first. It was December thirtieth, twenty fifteen. Yes, right. Yep. And they probably said that in November, maybe even earlier. But like it was not finished. We said it's coming out December thirtieth. Jeremy, there's a freaking end date here now. Like you and you know Jeremy took three years off his life probably trying to make this film. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even finished, right? It wasn't color corrected. Um, so some of the scene, and it did eventually, but it's like, we just got to get it out because we said it's coming out and, and it, it, it was, and it, it's, it's got fixed and a couple other revisions went up and it's, it's the way it is now. It's been like that for years, but yeah, that was, a, that was a wild uh, film from start to finish. It was fun. And, and it, the way it came out was awesome. Yeah, hats agree. off to Jeremy and, and Kyle and Ray and everybody involved. Yeah, how did you uh, develop your skills as an interviewer? Well, I think a lot of, I mean, that's all I did. Day one, here's a camera, go interview that guy. Yeah. Right? About what? Figure it out. And and he was with, Mark was with me for the first couple trips, so maybe he did a first interview or two, and then he was right next to me while I'm doing the interview. And, man, it was just reps after that. It was like, all right, now I'm out on my own. I'm just flying around the country interview I mean I don't know I've done over a thousand interviews if I had to guess from one oh, minute yeah. to five hours so but definitely my first film to today it's way different um, Ray who I mentioned a few times who, who worked in like who worked on documentaries and reality TV in the past taught me how to do this like here's how you come and he like showed me how to come up with questions and like oh okay it's Doing a film is different than doing an interview. The way you approach it, the way you ask the questions, what question? I don't right. They're both interviews, but one just like how they have to answer. Well, how they have to answer and how you position your questions, right? If I was just gonna grab you and do what we're doing now, it'd be a lot different from a film, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, in a film, you have an agenda, right? All right, I'm, this is a story I'm trying to tell, but and yeah, certain ways you have to ask, certain ways you have to have them answer, and just it's almost some uh, intuition and now even like here right i'm gonna be here in the next hour doing the bader show it's like sometimes i can just feel when there's something more right i just keep asking questions and then they keep answering and i'm like wait you said this let's go back to this now because you said that and that was really interesting expand on that and sometimes that's when you get like oh i'm glad i asked that because he went off on this story and maybe it was like that with kendall right maybe we barely asked something we didn't even think we we're gonna and like pfft, this giant uh, story comes out that's like really meaningful, meaningful and impactful. So, I mean, there's no uh, replacement, whatever, for experience. Yeah. Reps, you know, just over and over and over. And then, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot of things. Favorite uh, live event or match called that, that you've had? Like a match? A match, a duel, an event, whatever. Oh, my God. This is – 
I mean, I guess just just looking back, there's so many, right? Burroughs and Taylor 2014, super memorable, right? David cradles him twice. Burroughs comes back and wins. The place goes nuts. Um, that was uh, in early on. Um, then there was the days before that where you just like have a tripod and a camera, nothing connected to it, right? Those mm-hmm. were those are almost like a little foggier now. Um, overseas, my first time in Russia, the first couple times in Russia, Russia trips are always memorable. And even back then versus today, like 2011 was my first time to Russia up in Yakutsk. We fly from JFK to Moscow. We got Wi-Fi. Okay, cool. Moscow to Yakutsk. No, no internet. So like, I'm, how long is that flight? It's like ten hours to Moscow, and then like another seven hours to Yakutsk. No, I'm not talking about the flight. I'm talking about the city. Oh, the city. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Like when we got to Yakutsk, There's there was no... no way for us to signal back home. We're here, or we're getting matches, or anything. It's just like, and there's probably no way to follow the results. Right. right, you can't. There's no live stream of the 2011 Russian Nationals, and there's no way to look at results. Martin's just like, I hope they made it. I hope they come back. And I think once we got to Moscow on the way back, we I think we stayed a night in Moscow and flew out the next day. So we got to do some emails and be like, All right, guys, we're we made it. We got all the videos, and we're on our way back. Or we probably made a post on the website, actually. And honestly, there's not like at that point in time, you're not up against some deadline to get the matches up because no one else has them, right? So I don't even know if, the, yeah, it's, and it wasn't even like, are we going to get them? Yeah. You know, it wasn't like Flo's going to come back with all of these. It's like, we're going. We got the Tommy jeans. So <laughs> yeah. let's hope that uh, come back with these matches. Yeah. No kidding. Um, and the first time we we flew to Yakuts, we did that. Four hours from Austin, a long layover in JFK, ten hours to Moscow, like a twelve-hour layover there, seven hours to JF or to Yakuts. We get picked up and drive straight to the venue, and we show up like when the first match missed a couple matches. No sleep, forty-five hours of travel, right there, three cameras, two guys, go. Dang. It was it it was it was actually it was awesome. It was crazy, right? But someone then that like, and it was weird, right? Somebody like, you guys know Maxime Milanov. I think he, he was helping with the U.S. women for a while. He's he's a Russian uh, coach. Um, Joe had met him somehow, maybe through Steve Silver, mm-hmm. if I want to remember this correctly. But Maxine would kind of be our handler over there. And so um, he, like, met us at the airport, got us to the venue, took us to get food later, took us to somebody, just some flat. And the people in it left and let us stay there. Either that or I don't know. If maybe it was like an Airbnb he was getting us. I don't know. I just know he t- goes there, talks to some people, and they leave. And he's like, this is for you. <laughs> nice. Right? Like we would we would go to Russia not knowing where we are going to stay when we get there. In 2012, the next year, second year we went, it was in St. Petersburg. Joe and I get in a fight. We like probably went to Chili's at the JFK airport and had some beers to, <laughs> for that long flight. And then as we're walking to our gate, we get into a fight with each other about where we're going to stay because we didn't know where we we're going to stay. So we're like, F you, no F you. And we fought a lot. And they're all pissed off and like heated. And then we sit down next to each other. And it's like, got 10 hours, like right <laughs> next to this guy. We, we get up in the air and they do the thing. They bring the food around. And I remember this distinctly. 
I sat there and you get like meat, bread, dessert, whatever. And I had my roll and I broke it in half. And I go, I was like, you want some? He's like, okay. (laughs) And that was like our like, I'm sorry, man. It's cool, man. We're good. You know, that was like, we literally broke bread. Because I'm like, when we land, we got to be on the same team. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't know what we're doing. And so we were friends after that. That's good. Oh, man. Um, so, someone asked a question that sort of relates to that. CJ Camp wants to know, when you guys travel overseas to cover different events, do you get a crash course on what is and isn't culturally appropriate, or do you guys just wing it and hope for the best? <laughs> <laughs> I think that may be sort of obvious, but I just want to hear you Yeah, answer. wing it. You know, I, I, obviously you want to be – you don't want to come over there just being however. You know, you yeah. like wing it, but um, pay attention. Yeah. Right? Like, look around. Uh, it was be reserved. Yeah. Right? I'd never been to Russia. Easy for it you. It seems like a scary place. I'll just kind of be Low even key. keel, you know? Okay, I've been to Russia a few times. Went to Istanbul. Huh. Pretty, pretty, not bad, you know? And then I'm, I get to Budapest, which is much more European. And then there was the whole macing incident, which, you know. Sometimes people get maced. Uh, but uh, well, I've never really had any bad run-ins overseas, I don't think. I'll ever be... had no, ever a dicey situation? Ever a time you're like, oh, am I going to get robbed? Am I going to get this? Am I going to get... I don't think I ever felt like unsafe. worried that, yeah, or unsafe that somebody was going to do something to me. Tashkent, Uzbekistan, they were just shady as hell always. Really? Like, just trying to overcharge you for everything, and everything's negotiable. I feel bad because I'm like, I know they're ripping me off, but I know it's still a bargain. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it should be 50 cents for the taxi ride, not a dollar. It's like, like, like 50,000, whatever their money is versus, but, uh, I'm trying to think if I ever was like felt really, so uh, in 2011, I wasn't like physically scared for my, I didn't think I was like in necessarily in any danger, but in 2011, that, that very first year at Russian Nationals, Joe and I are up there, three guys, two cameras. It's obvious we're filming every single match. Yes. And so in between sessions, this you know Russian guy comes up, and he's like, hey, and he spoke broken English, but his English was much better than my Russian, Russian that just wasn't there. It still isn't. And he's like asking me, and I think maybe he knew. He said, "Who are you? you know, who are you guys? What are you doing?" Long story short, what what's up there? And I'm trying to be as vague as possible. And I'm like, "Oh, you know, it's, I don't know." And he's like, "Okay, well, you come with me." Oh jeez. And that 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 I was a little. Oh, there was one other time. Uh, I was a little uneasy because <clears throat> I'm like, "Okay, this is my first time in Russia. This guy seems like." He might be upset, and there we'd been. There'd been people in the U.S. upset with us for tape and stuff, right? Now we're in Russia. Yeah, I don't know the damn thing. Uh, and I just remember being like, "He's like, come with me," and I'm like walking down these back hallways, and then I was like, I just remember being like one foot in front of the other, just, just what's you know, here be we cool. go, moment by moment. Now, Mark, moment by moment, what the fuck's gonna happen though? And he brings me to some other guy, and they talk, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, what do you do? What are you going to do? I'm like, oh, no. you know. They were live streaming, apparently, oh. to whoever. And I'm like, okay. He's like, yes, you cannot. You cannot live stream. Yeah, we're not live streaming or nothing. He's like, you can't. And maybe he said, you can't upload them, 
right? And I'm like, well, yeah, we're not going to upload them for now. Or I, I forget, but he was, I was just like, yes, no, of course, yes, whatever. And then it was like, here's my email or something. Email me and we'll talk about whatever. Whatever. We went home, put him up. I did exchange, and he gave me a Skype, actually. I remember that. I thought that was odd, but. And we exchanged emails, and and uh, everything turned out fine. But in the moment, follow me, I was like, all right, Joe, like, you see where I'm going. If anything happens, you know, yeah. I don't know. And then another time, the last time we went uh, to Russian Nationals. So when you go through um, travel overseas, and you got your visa and your passport, um, you go to the city, and they like I for, I should have known this because I've been there before. But they, I don't know, they give you a little slip and they slip it into your passport. And usually they tell you, keep this, and when you come back, bring it. Maybe they even did. I just they do the whole trip. We're in Yakuts again in 2015, and we and I'm clean, we're cleaning up our flat right the next day. Put tra- the last day we put trash away and everything. And I'm just grabbing stuff and I throw it away. And I do remember grabbing this thing. I remember seeing it there all week. Dumb, dumb. Grab it. Then I throw it away. I'm like, yeah, that'd be funny. I don't know what that was. It's just a receipt or something. Been there all week. And we get to the airport in Yakuts, and they're like, and our friend Gena was there who spoke Russian. Right? Yeah. He's kind of like helping us. King G. Yeah. And, uh, but they're like, da, 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 da. I'm like, huh? And right then it occurred to me, I knew what he was talking about. He's like, da, 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 thing. Where is it? I'm like, what? I had it. It was just in there. Like, I'm just playing this, like, toy. Yeah. I, it, was, it, it was in there, and they're like, back room. I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> back room at the Yakuts airport. I don't know, you know, and they pull me in there, and I'm like, they're speaking Russian. I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know if I said my friend or my comrade. I forget. Somehow I was like, my friend can speak Russian. I communicate to them somehow. They bring Gana in. A lot of talking and, and whatever. That's that. Um. We, I'm like, okay, now we got to do the same thing in Moscow. You know? They're going to check again in Moscow. Mm-hmm. We have an overnight in Moscow, and I'm like trying to figure out how to do it. The next day, we go through, we get the security line. I'm like checking out every single person. I'm like, who's the most likely? I'm profiling them. Yes. Who's the most likely to not give me a hard time or to give me the least hard time? And I, this guy. And I walk through, and I get up there, and he's, same deal. He's like, da 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 I'm like, it was in there. I grab it, flip through it. I'm like, it was, you know, I'm looking through my bag and I'm like, looking through, I'm like, it was just, in, I don't know. And he's like, I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. and he's like, um, something happened three stations over, you know, and he had to go tend to that. And he's like, ah, go. Nice. Yes. Well, and then going to Uzbekistan, um, from somewhere in the Middle East. I was in Dubai going to Uzbekistan mm-hmm. and like we had trouble getting visas or, or, or something. And I didn't quite, I had like partial visa number, but not something. And they weren't going to let me on the plane. I had to plead and let them get on the plane. Then I get to Tashkent, Uzbekistan. They won't let me in. It's like, yeah, there's this big lobby area. They're like, where's your thing? I'm like, Oh, I pull out all these other forums. And they're like, that's crap. No, sit over here. Go. No. What do I, they didn't tell me. They're just like, Okay. I brought like 400 single dollar bills because I had heard this kind of thing was happening. So I was yeah. ready to bribe him. Um, <laughs> the whole lobby clears out. This guy turns the light off in his booth and walks away. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I read a book and like somebody comes by later and is like, 
you da 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 da. I don't know. Come, you come here, you come here, and go through five rooms, and they're like, we go. All right. All right. But never in my life in danger. Never in danger. That I remember. Well, that's good. Well, Beta, this was fun. We went six minutes over. We didn't get what? To, we didn't get from questions to questions from friends. Nothing like that. This was enlightening. This was fun. Do you have anything? I got anything lots else? of stuff, but you know, we'll save it for another time. Any other thoughts? Any other parting flow thoughts or whatever? You know, it's been a wild ride. I think you know. Um, I think we've come so far, right, from the days of the van and and this little house. Um, and I think we've got a long ways to go. You know, I, and I've said that the whole time. You know, every time we like hit something cool, it's like I feel like we're just kind of getting started. And it feels like we're kind of into it now, but it feels like, yeah, we got a lot of a long ways to go and a lot of things we can do. And uh, that's exciting. Yeah. For sure. I definitely feel that as well. Will Bader, super pumped to be on your team. This is awesome. Thank you guys for, for listening. We'll, we'll get the heck out of here. We'll be back tomorrow. Bader's got the Bader show in like uh, 38 minutes, I think. 38 minutes. Jerry Briscoe. Oh, my god! Jerry Briscoe today. He's the man. WWE. Yeah. Big shout, Jerry Briscoe. Big shout State, to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tomorrow, we will have Coach Lee Roper on, which will be awesome. You guys have, uh, you guys enjoyed him during the period of time when, I don't know, he was on like a couple weeks straight on FRL. It was great. We're talking about, awesome. We were talking about Last Dance and like old, re- you know, 80s, 90s wrestling and all this stuff. It was great. So you guys wanted some more Lee Ropers. He's coming on Wednesday, Thursday. Chael, Sonnen, not at the regular time. It's actually going to be, uh, it'll be two to three for our purposes. Oh, that's Kyle really Bracky. exciting, Pyle. Yeah, I'm Pyle. Um, Wait, we're doing that for all from two to three? Yeah. Okay. Now you know that. Um, <laughs> that's how we communicate. Most of the changes just let you know on the show. So that'll be fun. So going to be a fun week of FRL without Ben, uh, but we do miss Ben, and we hope his surgery is going well. He's probably in the middle of it right now, so. Big oh, shout sweet. to the to the funky one. Thank you guys. Thank you to Bader, Bracky. See you tomorrow. Adios.